Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up if i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again welcome to the show everyone that's marcus parks i'm ben kissel we're joined by uh legend Broadcast legend Bill Pito. Thanks for being here, Bill. I made legend, huh? You're a legend now. Yeah, you got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's le- that that qualifies for legendary status. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Bill and I met. We were doing a great shoot together on Kevin Barnett, Jermaine Fowler's uh, new show, Friends of the People, that's going to be coming out on True TV. I was cast as a human basketball hoop. <laughs> that's what I was cast as. Kevin Barnett wrote a script. And he wrote into that script a human basketball hoop. And, and then he had ben, the goal. Ben Kissel must play basket. Wasn't that, wasn't that part of it? <laughs> yes, Ben Kissel has to play basket. I'm totally uh, that's typecast. That's because you're 6'11", whatever you Six are. 6'7". Right, right. That helps. I've never felt like more... Like, I couldn't a- be cast as the basket. I'm 5'8", and that's well, on a good day. That's true. That's true. I guess I, guess I do have the, uh, the uh, market cornered on basketball hoop actors. <laughs> no one's ever going to take that from me. But Bill and I had a wonderful time on set. Bill was playing an announcer. How good was I? You were you nailed it. Like I'm, I'm I think I have Emmy nomination written all over my performance. Oh, I agree. I'll tell you, I watched that show Veep. Uh, what is it, Julia Louis Dreyfus? She's got nothing on you, nothing. I think you, I got a shot. What's that? I think I was very impressed with my own performance. You were. I don't know that anybody else was. They were. <laughs> they were. But Bill, it was wonderful to talk to you on set. So I figured we would have you in on the. Uh, on the show here, you've been in broadcasting and journalism, and uh, you've anchored uh, television programs and radio programs over the past 20 years plus. And uh, your first big break here was in, I got it written down here on this piece of paper, uh, Bingham, New York, or was it the Ithaca? You were a sports anchor for WVBR Radio in Ithaca. That was when I was in college. That was college. Yeah, and the great thing, I was at Cornell, the great thing about doing... The radio there is it's such a small market you could get on the air. Like, if you go to school in New York, you're not going to get on a commercial station. Right. But Cornell being in Ithaca, New York, you get your practice. And this whole thing, I think, is a lot like what you guys are doing in terms of the stand-up. You just need reps. Right. Reps over and over and over. And when you're in Ithaca, you're getting your reps as a college student. It helps prepare you for the career. Did it help you get the ladies, or was it, uh, was it a situation where they the, weren't too indie? Radio doesn't help. Not, not at all. No. Oh, no. Marcus, you did college radio. Did it work for you? You got the... <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It was 
Where do, you, where do you go to school? Uh, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, KTXT 88.1. Well, y'all fixing on, on <laughs> fixing on, fixing, fixing on. So then your first job outside of college was in Binghamton. Binghamton. Yeah. Binghamton, New York. Yeah, bing, say it. Binghamton. Binghamton. I don't know. I guess bing, I was reading it. Binghamton. Binghamton. <laughs> they should have named it different. Binghamton. Binghamton. And I was at the CBS affiliate. Six bucks an hour. Holy Lord, you were making And you know what? It's, it's 30 years later or whatever. They're still making six bucks an hour. This was in what, 1988, 1989? <laughs> right. They, what, yeah. And that's what entry-level TV pays. So I'm at Cornell. I got a roommate going to medical school. Yeah. I got a roommate going to law school. And here I am, six bucks an hour, an hour away, getting my start. Scary. But you were much happier than uh, the folks who were going to medical school, I'm sure. I don't know. You know, I, I, I was doing right away what I wanted to do. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And I, my my rent in Binghamton was 120 bucks a month. I probably had more disposable income then than I do now. Yeah, good God, six bucks an hour. That sounds right. terrible until you realize you're right. paying 120 a right. month. But you're again, you're in a small market. You get your reps. You practice right. your craft. You can get away with some mistakes. Mm-hmm. And this station that I was on, WBNG TV Action News, oh. was a dominant station. Yeah, everybody watched. I mean, Ben and Marcus, everybody watched. So it was kind of nice. When did you know you wanted to start? Uh, when did you know you wanted to do radio and television? I always wanted to get into sports casting. I was a big sports fan growing up. I just, I just went for it. Favorite just, sports team? I, I grew. I'm originally from Manhattan, so uh, we moved west when I was seven. But I, I've always been really passionate about the Knicks. Yeah, same here. Love the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. So. So it was really just your your love of sports. And would you want to do any other? Did you want to do any other sort of? Uh, Traditional news, hardcore news. I want to be a stand-up comic now. After you want to be a stand-up comic <laughs> now. After hanging with you last week, yeah. Bill, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you're supposed to do stand-up and then uh, make enough money and get enough car plunge to never have to do it again. Is that right? Yeah. Is that how that goes? Yeah. Bill, how old are you? What are you? you know? I'm I'm a lot older than I. How old do you think I am? Forty-eight. Close. All right. If you start doing stand-up at 48... Yeah, it's not, not happening. Oh, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, you can't do it. But no. see, I think I, I would get up there and not appear or look like I'm 48, but that's delusional, right? Oh, like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you look 48, Bill. Nah, see, I think that when I like would hang out in the crowd that I'd still look like I was 25. I mean, do I... Could I, I not pass for 30? Oh, Bill. You got a syndrome. 36. 36. I'll oh, don't 36. be so nice, Marcus. 36. Are you kidding me? I can't even pass for 36, and I'm only 33. Are you 33? I'm 33. Yeah. Well, I got you beat. Yeah. I got you beat. By three years, apparently. All right, so stand-up comic, uh, that, that's out. That, 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 that train has left the station. Trust me, you've got way too much dignity to be a stand-up comic. Oh, absolutely. You're, fine. You're, you're too talented. So you did this uh, TV, everyone loved you, and then you got your big break with ESPN2. Well, it was, it's a little more complicated than that because, you know, when you're, it's a lot like what you guys go through. You're in a small market, you're making six bucks an hour, you right. have an Ivy League degree, and you know what? You're not going to be able to last there for that long. I mean, how long are you going to hang there? In the small market. Yeah, yeah. without moving on. So, it, would, so uh, it becomes a sprint to get out of town. Right. Or else, you you go. that's it. Were you having the flop sweats looking in the mirror every morning well, and be like, so I've got to get out well, of I, I, Binghamton. So... Binghamton. Oh, Binghamton. I'm going to say it right one it. of these times. So we would record our newscasts, make sure the sports cast was on the tape. Hopefully it was a good one. Yeah. You dub it off, go to the post office, and try to get someone else to look at it. So that was the way. I mean, because now you just send an email. You send out. Uh, right. You send a I link. I was on a first-name basis with all the guys at the post office. Bill, where's it going today? <laughs> and so you're just sending, what was this, a reel-to-reel uh, or a VHS? Three-quarter tape. Or, and then it got to be a beta tape. 
but three quarter inch. Did you guys ever? No. This is they. We used to have three quarter. It was called a VA. Uh, well, I don't even know know the name of the format. We had big clunky cameras. We used to shoot right. on video. We used to get these tapes out first class. And then, of course, like anything else, if you don't know the guy where it's going, he's not going to look at it. Right. So you were relieved you got this job at uh, what is it? W B- W B N G. Right. And then I went to and Syracuse. Then- and then immediately you were like, I have to get out of here as well, soon as you well, were not, hired. Well, that was, uh, you, it, there's a certain urgency. Right. Because again, six bucks an hour, how long you going to, so I was there for two years. Right. And then I went to Syracuse and same process that I was making 23,000 bucks, which is up from like 15. Right. Big pay raise. Yeah, that is. That's not bad. Then I went to Boston. I uh, was at a station that did 24-hour news, and I was a sportscaster on that. Not It was like a local CNN, right, in Boston. Right. And then I got uh, I got an audition for ESPN2 in 93. So at this point, you've done radio. You've been I an just anchor. TV. Oh, at, at and, this point in my career, just TV. Just television. So uh, And you've been an anchor, you've been a reporter, and uh, a journalist. Mainly just a sportscaster. Just sportscaster. Okay. Up to this point. I auditioned to ESPN2. Uh, they actually ended up hiring a guy that I live with in Binghamton ahead of me. Okay. Think about that. I mean, I don't know, you know, in your world, right. like if you go up against your buddy and they pick, I mean, that's torture, right? It, it's tough. I mean, you have to put on a brave face and smile through right. it because you don't want to get total, da, 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 yeah. and I can't, and then you're, uh, I can't believe they hire him. Right. Right. So, and then you're at this point, and as things have evolved, if you're not getting into ESPN, where are you going? So, so, so ESPN already so sort of had the the market this is, this completely early, cornered. Early nineties, every sports. all of us wanted to get at ESPN. So yeah. I audition, I do well. They hire someone else who I used to live with. And what was his name? Carl Ravage. Okay. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And also in town at the time when we were in Binghamton, I lived with Carl and worked with Carl was Trey Wingo. Oh, okay. He's still around. Right. So it's Carl. a lot of the NFL prime right, time. Now. Right. All right. So anyway, they hire Carl, and I'm like, I'm in Boston at the time. I'm like, you know, making twenty eight k. Right. Like, what, what, what's going to happen now? Thankfully, they called back in three months and hired me for ESPN2. This was... I mean, in hindsight, three months, is like, oh, it was just the next day. They right. come, but three months when you're sitting there, awful. Well, they hired your buddy? Right. The, I'm not, I, I can't even tell you what that was like. Because you don't know that they're going to call. Right? right. You know how this goes. Over under eight beers a night. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was... You guys, I don't know if you guys get tortured and... and, and oh, yeah. You miss out on a gig or... Right. Torture constantly, yeah. Uh, right. I mean, you st- it's just I got of- cast to be a right. basketball hoop for Christ's sake. This is my big claim right. to fame. Right. So, thankfully, they called, and I was one of the original uh, hires on ESPN two in '93. So your buddy gets the job three months. Three months later, you get the job. Right. At a different. Ne- he was on ESPN. Okay. And I got hired for ESPN two. Did ESPN two exist yet? Well, no. Uh, when I your buddy one- got the job, no, no. I was I was one of the original cast members, if you will, of ESPN2. Yeah. And so we're the, trying to be this hip-hop sports show. is a complete right. disaster. <laughs> you seem like a hip-hop kind of guy. Yeah, I'm sure. We were trying to be like MTV as sports, like all right. cool and stuff. It didn't work too well. So then they merged us together, and we all became part of the ESPN yeah. rotation. Yeah. We were uh, we were talking on the shoot about the, just the politics of... Uh, of getting in front of the camera, these news anchors, the backstabbing that occurs. Well, I don't know if there's backstabbing, but is I don't, it front stabbing? I think front stabbing is better I than call it, I call it silent stabbing. How's that? Oh wow! It's like it's like uh, because Michael Myers you know, from Halloween right, or something. Everybody's going for the top jobs when you're at ESPN. There's like ultimately 40, 45 people in the rotation, and the people upstairs make the decisions. So the reality is, is that you're competing against the guy next to you, but you don't have a lot of control about who they pick. Right. 
that was that's one of the that's one of the issues one of the interesting dynamics of working there so uh, did you uh, were you managed uh, did you manage to like get a relationship back with uh yeah, yeah. with the with the fellow who was hired yeah, before Carl, you? Carl yeah, yeah, with Carl yeah yeah we we said hello once in the last 30 years oh very good <laughs> no hard feelings then no, no you know that's how it goes he's still there i mean and i had to move on after 15 years that's just how it goes you know? right so espn2 you're there and how old are you now 28 20, so you're relative. making sixty k. Think about that. Boom. I went from twenty eight k to sixty yeah. k. Not bad. That's a big. That's I thought I was rich. And all before your thirties, right? And, to, be, to be there at twenty eight, that was a that was a big. That's a big break. Yeah, big break. And what was the what was the lear, uh, learning curve there? Because uh, again, we were talking uh, these highlights. They come in so quickly. The game is done. You're live. They throw down a piece of paper in front of you, and you've just got to go. With yeah, it. Royals, Tigers. Good luck. Right. Well, I can't read that name. You better figure it out. <laughs> right. Because the sheets are put together by production folks, young kids just out of college who watch the game for highlights, write up the sheet with the description of what's on the tape. And you're out there, and you haven't necessarily watched the game. If you sit down, let's say, at 10 o'clock, baseball games are just ending. Here are well, the yeah. sheets. Good you're, luck. You're busy throwing darts at Carl's right, face right. in the uh, dressing room. <laughs> right. Good luck. Yeah. And that's that's the genius of the job. And How, some people are better than others. You're yeah. going through the tape the first time. Everyone, everyone's watching it. You haven't seen it yourself. And you're the one who has to voice it, right? How and, many? Uh, how much time goes by by uh, from the time that uh, a young just out of college intern throws down a piece of paper on the desk and a uh, director say in action? It can happen. Uh, you know, it, it, everything's slotted. Okay, it, there's a rundown. So let's say the A's twins is in a slot that's coming up in the show. If the sheet's ready to go, the sheet may drop on the desk at exactly the time of that roll of tape. Yeah. And if the, you don't have the sheet, they'll drop it. They're in your ear saying, no, pass A's twins, go to the next thing. Everything's in a rundown. Yeah. So if the highlight sheet is ready to go when the game is supposed to be played in the rundown, you're good. But it, a lot of times that's an instantaneous situation and the art is to make that look so seamless and simple yeah i've watched watch... the game i'm an expert right i saw this look at this play oh my heavens you know booyah what was that like was the, was the uh, yeah and you actually have you have a very uh well-known catch a developing it. situation a developing situation <laughs> i remember that what was the learning curve from espn2 um from your uh from your previous work did you find the speed to be a lot quicker uh, not even close there, there nothing prepares you for because when you're on these other stations, it's a five-minute sportscast that you prepare. Right. You actually edit your own material. You write up the sheets. Here you're out there, and you're on the set for an hour, sometimes longer, and right. it's a free form. Like improv in many ways. It really is. Right. It's just an improv about sports highlights. And so what was your method of, uh, I mean, I, I assume it's the equivalency of a football player going from high school to college and college to the pros. The right. speed is just that much quicker. Right. How long did it take you before it slowed down, before you were like, okay, I can rationalize yeah. these things in front of me. I can right. just, I'll calm down and get these words out properly. A couple, three years. Three years. Well, I, ESPN2, I'm talking about mainly doing sports center. When I started on ESPN2, I was doing like five-minute sportscasts. Right. Much so you were, that was a little bit more comfortable. Right. When you're out there for an hour... Boy, that's and you got to get over the nerves. See, the thing that you you believe when you're first starting there is the whole world's watching. It's not true. I mean, nowadays though, with the way that sports media is, the whole world well, is kind of watching. Well, the whole world's watching something, but not necessarily ESPN. But when you first sit down on Sports Center set, 
oh my heavens, I'll never forget. My first show was in April of 94, and the schedule comes out like a week or two in advance. I, I was just so nervous. Yeah. I was on at 2 in the morning, 2 a.m. Eastern time. Prime time slot. I was just, I, I cannot, I don't know how you guys get when you go through your, your stage preparation and you get up there, you get nervous or you're comfortable now, but nerves don't help you. No. In performance. Performance is best when you're most comfortable, mm-hmm. and it, it, the nerves—it's—it's a—it's a tough, tough thing sometimes. Do you get nervous when you go out on stage anymore or not? Well, you have to uh, harness the nerves in a positive way to give you some energy right. and some but life, not, but you don't want them to, to cripple you. Right, because those can, you can be right. crippled by that. Right, you can be, or it can, it can, you can be saying things, and you're like. I just said that, but I'm not really conscious of what I'm... I, that There are nerves like that mm-hmm. where you're afraid your mouth won't work or you're going to... And I, I've at times gotten to that point. Do you remember your first episode at all or is it just a complete blackout? Oh, I was, I was on with Craig Kilborn. Oh, wow. And I was so tight. I was just... You, and again, being tight does not help you. Right. You need to be conversational, calm, right. at ease. Mm-hmm. And that takes a while takes a long time something that just just for me it did some guys are okay with it yeah how was your experience with craig was he was he uh did you find him to be a natural because i know he was sort of one of the uh flagship guys there yeah for a he while. was uh, and then he went he had, on he went on into comedy right comedy yep. central uh late the Daily show, show right yeah. late show on cbs i don't know what what happened to him after that but well what happened this is true he he quit the late show uh with with uh his name on it and went to become an actor because he got cast in, I forget the name of the movie, Marcus, can you Google? Now, now did he Kilbert? quit, Ben, because he was asked he w- to quit, or he said, I, I'm, I'm out of here? From what I understand, he quit because he wanted to go be an actor, which is one of the most insane things that so, I've ever heard in my life. he's cooked. He hasn't been around in a while. That's for sure. And I think that he made a bad decision, because if you can be on uh, the face of a network for an hour and a half on a nightly basis, or on an a hour network. on a network for an After uh, Letterman. It's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Mm, I don't know what happened to him. I, I, he was really he during that time. Yeah. ESPN was new, and the anchors like Craig and some of these other guys had quote acts. And you also knew Keith Oberman right. was there at the and time he's as a well. Genius. And he and Dan were the team that elevated Sports Center. Dan but, Patrick. Right. They were more than just sportscasters. They were almost like a tag team of comedy. Right. And it's a high wire act. They, they were just a tremendous combination helped by the fact that at the point here in the middle of late 90s ESPN was really the only game in town right now every league has its own channel every team or a lot of teams have their own channels there's a lot of choices but back then these guys and they were different right they were think about Craig Kilborn is a comedian or a quote actor doing sports right think about that right I don't know if you guys ever saw Kenny Maine's material I mean Kenny wonderful Kenny Maine is 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 stand-up comic in a way, right? right? Doing well, sports. I mean, as we learned from uh, Keith Oberman and, and Kilborn and Ronald Reagan, actors make the right. best presenters. Right. And they can just read words, and they have no idea yeah, what but, they're saying. Yeah, but, but in this case, these guys are writers, okay? Right. Ronald Reagan may have just been a talking head of right. what other people wrote for him. At ESPN, you write your own stuff. That's your material. No one is propping up Craig Kilborn and Keith Oberman saying, Craig o- Craig, uh, Keith Oberman is the most talented person I've ever seen in that he is a, a writer of Hemingway skill. Is that mm-hmm. good? And a TV performer. Very few. There are great writers, great TV performers. He's the one guy that I've worked with that is exceptional at both. 
what was exceptional. One of the, you know, this is what was so refreshing as well, talking to you, especially about Keith Oberman, because he has a, he's had a rough go of it, and now I believe he's doing a midnight slot for, uh, some, I think it's Baseball Tonight. He's but on he's, ESPN2. He's, yeah. yeah. Um, which is just sort of one of the nicest things that you can, I mean, you know, it's not, it's, they didn't give him a sports center back. Well, if, if he wanted to, if he wanted to, but he wants his own show. This yeah. is his stamp. It's like his MSNBC show. But he got, a ba- he got a bad rap for a little while. The MSNBC thing sort of imploded. I don't know. You then. know, they haven't been the same without him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he is that, that good. He moved them to the left. And, and you they had st- no identity. Right. Oh, he definitely gave them an identity. Yeah. That's for sure. No one argues that Oberman doesn't have an identity. Uh, <laughs> What was one of the things that he did to help you out? Because you said that he was uh, quite helpful for you in your career. He just, <laughs> you know, we all have catchphrases. I don't know if I would say that this was helping me out, but w- when I work with him a handful of times, it's like you're, maybe it's like you being on stage next to Chris Chris Rock or something. I, you know, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be right. for you to be on stage with, with the guy who, who is really exceptional at, at doing what you're doing. But when I was on with him, he had the first rip of highlights, say three baseball games in a row. He stole all of my catchphrases. He stole them from you? As a, as a complete joke, right? Now, the audience at home doesn't know what's going on, but what, what were the catchphrases? developing situation is one of mine. What do you have? Issues. Someone has issues. Things right. are not going well. There are issues. So what do you do when he steals all of so your uh, catchphrases? You just like, sit there like, like, and I'm, I'm Bill Pitto. Uh, I should have said, I'm, time for me to go home. Right. Now, this is all in, inside. Do you think this is one of those situations of, uh, of, of of silent sabotage? No, it's all in fun. Just being around him, he, he you can't teach his, his intelligence or his ability with the language. You, you can't teach him. He, he is yeah. exceptional. It's exceptional. And, you know, he was he actually was at my, at my wedding. He became a pretty good friend of mine. I haven't been so much in touch with him lately, but right. um, I have the utmost respect for him. But that was one of those experiences that uh, that stands out. And then you had, to, I assume, you rose to the challenge and, and came up came up with a whole bunch of different catchphrases. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was so nervous working with some of these guys when I first got there, and and here the guy is taking all the juice out of my what what a putz, right? He's a schmuck. I mean, that's just you know, but that's Keith. That's that's what makes you know, it's fun. Who was the most uh, Who was the most intimidating person you ever had to work with? Dan Patrick. And and, and why was because he wouldn't talk to you. He was because co- his personality on air when the camera was running was yeah, uh, was he's so great, personal. He's a great guy, but during the show, not talking to you, wouldn't wouldn't even look at you. Break on a on a computer, yeah, whatever. No, and it's like, is this dude going to talk to me? Right, great guy. You sure, know, you talk to him off the air, whatever. But when the show was on, not a lot of chat. Was it a personal thing, or do you think he was I just so it, focused it, on the broadcast? He hated me. He it, did. No. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know if that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was because then he's a star, right? So, right. What's it like when you're on stage with a star who's not giving you any love? Just normal, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's pretty. Is normal. that how it is for I've, you? I've worked with some pretty. What's big... the biggest the biggest star you ever work with? Mark Marin. I don't know him. Who's that? Marcus used to do a great radio show called Portrait of a Comedian, and he got to interview uh, Michael Showalter as well. Uh, yeah, the I don't know any of these guys. Michael Showalter yeah. is a yeah. Was, he did a show called The State, and he was uh, in a film called Wet Hot American Summer. He's very established on the scene, and if you were coming up um, in our generation, mid '90s, and you liked comedy, you knew who Michael Showalter was. He came yeah. up with like David Cross, these alternative guys. Now, and where is he now? What does he do now? He's still doing very well. He's a working writer and a comedian and an actor. I mean, he's doing great. 
Uh, but Marcus had the uh, benef- uh, had the um, I would say the misfortune, misfortune yeah. yes, <laughs> of interviewing this guy, and it was, it was one of those things where you know you just don't ever want to meet your heroes. You just don't really? want to meet the people was, that you really look so up to. So you were doing an interview with? I was doing an interview here. with him, and I was very uh, new at it. Like I, right. I pretty much taught myself how to do uh, like interview. I didn't go to journalism school or anything. Right. Uh, and he, uh, I was just asking not the best questions in the world, not the most heavy hitting ones, but for some reason he decided that day. But he's with there, the day to tear this person down. But he's there as a favor. He knows what's coming. Yeah. Wow. How, how about uh, how about yourself? Have you ever interviewed one of these uh, icons that you? Uh, one of these athletes you loved growing up, and then you interviewed him, and you're like, that guy just does a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> and it just shattered the whole you, thing for you. I When I was working in, say it, Binghampton. Binghamton. You didn't even say it right. <laughs> See, I'm getting... I'm going to make the whole world say it wrong, Binghamton. and then, then it becomes saying it right, and then I win. Uh, we would go to Binghamton. Jo- Binghamton. Yeah. Get it right, Pito. <laughs> Binghamton. Uh, outside of Vestal, southern tier in New York, our big deal was to go to Giants training camp. Okay. Oh, wow, man. You small market going to go to Giants. Is this like the Lawrence Taylor yeah, Giants? that's okay. the era, yeah. Mm. And Bill Parcells was coach. Big tuna. Big time. Yeah. And I got in there and was asking him, you know, the scrum, the media scrum after practice. He didn't know who I was. So I asked him a question. I think I'll never forget this. I said it was an exhibition game he was getting ready for. I said, So what do you expect from Green what are you looking forward to against Green Bay? He's like mocking me. He goes, Well, I'm looking forward to going fishing with my friend Fritz Shermer. I'm like, you know, I'm 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 in the I'm trying to get get something in front of all these New York guys. No one knows who I am. And he's right. just torching me you know he's playing with me and then i would ask him so are you looking forward to this or what do you and he would go yes and then i ask him something else and he would say no right and he was absolutely toying with me and you're trying to put together a five minute piece on the uh, i want on the just game. something right and you can't be like well i spoke with the head coach of the new york giants right. today he's looking forward to going fishing with his right. buddy right. Um, <laughs> right it was that was like but he did it in a way he was having fun with it right but i was so intimidated so and he when some at ESPN, one of the great things about working there is on a day by day basis, you might see Bill Parcells, right? See Pete Sampras up there for a Sports Center commercial. Or how long were you every, working at ESPN? Uh, by the way, you have a great uh, YouTube, uh, Bill Pino. There's a great clip of you uh, with the. Uh, she must have been a pool pl- uh, pool player, oh, a right. professional pool player, right. a black and, widow. Uh, yeah, she pulls out a pool stick at a, at a uh, right. pool table and. Uh, Mr. Pitto pulls out something else, and it's very Ed right. Larson-esque. Right. It's a sandwich. It's a right. sandwich. It's right. Ed Larson, is, uh, he's a member of the other podcast we do called The Roundtable of Gentlemen. Um, how long were you working at ESPN before your jaw stopped dropping when you saw these mega stars walk Never, through? Because everybody who might be a star, if, they, if you haven't met them, you're still going to be like, whoa, whoever right. it may be. So the Sports Center commercials, that campaign became so popular. Mm-hmm. And true, had, uh, true, truly brilliant comedic shorts. Right, a lot of right, these right. had a lot to do with Sports Center success. I think. Absolutely. I think it's kind of been overdone here lately. Maybe it's kind of run its course, but mm-hmm. they'd bring in huge stars. We had Bon Jovi in once. I was in that one. Tinier or bigger than you thought he would be? He's not that big a guy, no. and he was so, he was a control freak. Really, the Jovi? Yeah, he was. We were. Um, it's my life, you know. Oh, you got bad Jovi, right? <laughs> And, what, 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 and he didn't uh, like the lighting, or mm. I don't remember what the how the song tied into what we were doing. But he was really let me see the cut, let me see the clip. 
Right. Let me look at the lighting. And I was amazed at how involved he was in even the Sports Center commercial. Was he one of the largest divas that you ever had to work I with? I wouldn't call him a diva. No? I would, no. Who else has come through there? Oh, my heavens. It's just on and on. And the analysts, we've had Emmett Smith there and Scotty Pippen. And how was Scotty Pippen? He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I actually talked to him a little bit. He had a bad back. I've had back problems. On and on and on. I, I don't even know where to. So any time that you're there, so, oh, there's so-and-so. I wonder how Scottie Pippen felt when he's like, I got a terrible back. And then you're like, so do I. And he's like, I'm a six-time NBA champion who played uh, like 13 years right. in a professional sport. Right. Why do you have a bad back, Bill? <laughs> right. uh, well, I was I slept on my couch wrong last night. I got right. blackout drunk. And I, I, got a, I got a bad mattress. Right, right. <laughs> oh, well, so I'm leaving out. Uh, I mean, everyone who is anybody. Magic. I would never met Magic, but he's been through there. Yeah. On and on and on. And anybody that you see there goes through the... The workplace is right. there, getting ready to do a show. It's amazing. It must be the most exciting workplace. It's, it's unbelievable. Especially for a sports fan like yourself. I'll, I'll never forget walking into the first day, and I was saying, you know, you can be a lawyer anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can be a doctor anywhere. You can be a teacher anywhere, but there's only one. Think about that. There's only one ESPN. Right. That's it. What do you think now ESPN has branched out? I think it's uh, it's two networks for sure, and I think they might even have some well, more. They have ESPN U, they have right. ESPN News, they have classic. ESPN 2, ESPN right. Classic. My favorite. SEC, you think SEC Network mm -hmm. they're behind. At some point you wonder, well, geez, are there enough eyeballs for all of this, or are you just satisfied with taking a smaller piece of the overall pie? I don't know. I can say that when we were there, there in the 90s, there was – ESPN and ESPN two, and that was it. Right. So you knew. The now there's S and here in New York there's S and Y. Right. Mets channel. MSG. The Yankees MSG where I'm at. You have right. yes the Yankees channel. The, mm -hmm. That's just that's just for baseball. Do you feel like uh, ESPN now at this point is, might be spreading themselves a little bit too thin, or do you think the sports market is just that you know huge? What? No one. Everyone's trying to compete with them. Fox is made a run at it no one comes close fox couldn't even make it with regis fieldman no he's that, clocked the number one right. most hours in television history and he could even get eyes the crowd on goes wild did you guys watch that show i watched a couple of episodes i love the reach dude <laughs> oh everyone loves i got to see him perform live with don rickles did you really oh it was the best it was, was regis a stand-up guy was he a comic he was a song and dance man was he really I mean, he can do it all he's an entertainer more yeah. than a, yeah he, he, you can tell that Don Rickles wrote all of his uh, all of his material, but he can do it all. And his wife, Joy, right. she's in her seventies, very very attractive. Really? So you just grew to sixty years old right in front of my eyes. I'm telling you, <laughs> I she's I, very attractive. He's I a thought, song and I, dance and man, boy. He can just <laughs> he can just do it all. Marcus, he can just do it all. He can sing and dance. What? A, we got both kinds: singers and dancers. You call me old? No, no, I love Regis. But you're right. ESPN has knocked out all the people who have been trying to take their spot. Coke's got Pepsi, right? Microsoft's got Apple. Sure. I mean, pretty much Fox or Fox Sports. The best they can do is those regional networks. That's the only reason why I know because um, I'm a big uh, Texas Tech fan. That's where yeah. I went to college. A lot of times you can only see Tech games on Fox News or right. Fox well, Sports. Well, they try to go with the 24-hour sports channel now, and it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's not made much of a dent in a year. That's for right. sure. What's one of the favorite sports moments that you've ever got to cover? Something that you're like, I'm actually a part of history right now. I I'm not often around the games. I'm in the studio. Right. So I'm not in the arena. I'm, like, getting ready to do the studio. But a play that stands out in your mind that you're like, I'm just, I'm I so tell you, I was at the Super Bowl. One of the thrills about being in Binghamton. <laughs> Binghamton. Right. <laughs> Would you get it right, please? Uh, was that go to the Super Bowl with Bill. <clears throat> Seriously. Parcells. 
No, with me. Oh, go to uh, this was a competition. Or I don't even remember how they, you know, join and whatever, and the winner goes to the Super Bowl. And I was growing up a big Niner fan. You were a prize. Right. You're a celeb. Right. This is Bing, Bing, Bing Hampton. Bing Hampton, yeah. 1988 or whatever. And I was originally from Manhattan, but we grew up and went out to the West Coast when I was seven, so I became a very big 49er fan. And I was at the Super Bowl when Joe Montana drove the Niners all the way down and he hit John Taylor uh, for the game when he touched on to beat the Bengals. I was like, man. I was awesome. in the stands for that. It's awesome. Yeah. Because I was really rooting for them. You know, they were, they had the whole drive there at the end to win it. Best be the best. It must be the best sports moment of your life. I mean, as a Knicks fan, there's not a lot to go. I'll tell you, with. a mellow 62 <laughs> this past year was pretty good. You and uh, and uh, were you there? Did you pre-game or post-game? Yeah, I was in the studio. Also, since I've been at MSG, they honored the 69-70 championship team a couple years ago. Right. And that was I actually was in the arena for that. That was special because being in New York, my first exposure to pro sports as a young kid was those Nick championship teams. Right. So seeing them all honored there. That's how they hook you. It's like right. when you start dating a girl and she's so nice to you, and then five months later you realize, I'm just a glorified bag holder. I'm, she doesn't even like me whatsoever, and I'll just wait on her hand and foot now. Right. That's what the Knicks did to all of us. Well, they hopefully you can trot out some new legends here when they win again. But when, that, do you, when do you think the Knicks are going to win again? I think they have a chance here with this. I'm a real big believer in Phil Jackson and the way he leads. Now, even though he's not coaching, right. I think his philosophy has got a real good shot to catch on here. I think they're going to improve. they got some cap room after this year. Hopefully they get another big play to go with Melo. I think they can make some strides here in the next two or three years. I really do. Yeah. And let's hope so. Let's I, hope so. Absolutely. Or else they're going to be signing you because you got the height. Well, they'll probably sign me to play the basketball hoop. <laughs> that's very, all I get. That's all I can get work doing. You're very good doing that. I was. I was very. I, it's I, not a bad, bad, bad day, right? To do that, bad, right? It's bad. It's Everything bad. is bad it's about bad. it. Let's get back to your time to the ESPN. <laughs> you were there. What was it? What was it like uh, seeing the seeing the brand grow and being in there from the ground floor up? I mean, you got a really nice position. I would assume you got raises throughout. When did you think that? Uh, when did you feel the tide was starting to turn and you were thinking maybe the market's getting too saturated or I think that's happened since I left since I yeah. left in 08 I, I um in the last 6 years I was there did a lot of ESPN news which to me was kind of like the beginning of the saturation Yeah they felt like they needed to start a 24-hour sports channel uh, all news in 96 cuz CNN launched What do you think about all that you know with the news they have the Three years ago was Brett Favre mania. Brett, Har uh, Brett Favre didn't uh, help himself uh, very much by sending a dick pic out. And then now this offseason with the NFL, it was all Johnny Manziel. The man has never played a game in his entire life. He's a second-string quarterback. Tim Tebow is the same situation. Do you feel like at this point they're almost starting to hurt the game? Well, this is what happens when you have to fill the airtime. Right. What are you gonna do? You're on, now they're on live all day. What are you going to talk about? You have to have themes. You have to keep these stories alive because you're on you got it we call it feeding the beast what was one of the dumbest stories that you had to report on and you were just like why are we discussing this i'm trying to think when i was i mean you were there nancy kerrigan i think occurred under your watch yeah well that was like almost a little bit before i don't know what what would have major it seems to be honest that a lot of this has happened the steroids in baseball yeah, thing that's was huge. too much it, it now Lance with, Armstrong right, and his testicles. You know, mm, yeah, that's where's LeBron going? That's uh, that's after I left. Right. All of this Manzel, the Tebow nonsense. Oh my heavens! Yeah. 
They, but they have to latch on to these things because they have to try to attract eyeballs in a saturated marketplace. And these are things that people can grab onto. So it's gotten a lot more saturated here. I left in 08. I'd say in the last six years, it's really. That's when it really, yeah, I, I agree. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's gone downhill anyway because the quality is still the best out there, but just there's too much on. Yeah. So. What was the, the best interview you ever did? This one. Well, <laughs> this is, I agree. This is it's the best all, podcast you guys have ever had? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's got to at least be top five or else. Uh, it's in the top. It's in, it's in, it's in the how top. Many how, many, you, how many episodes have we done? Uh, 191. It's in the have top really? 191. Done 191. I'll tell you that much. You've done 191 of these? Uh, well, actually, of this count, I think we did, uh, we restart. I think it's more like, it's closer to 250. Yeah. And then we've done 140 of another episode, 210 of uh, another show. Wow. You wouldn't believe yeah. it the way I pronounce Binghamton, but uh, pretty pretty yes, experienced with this now. You're yeah. good. Binghamton, it, New York. It's different now for us, you know, because uh, radio doesn't exist. Yeah. And we we, radio didn't exist when, when we were coming up, really. You know, it was all clear channel and everything was off. Uh, everything was away. So this is really... For all intents and purposes, this is our tape. When you went to the post office and mailed right. out, uh, you know, so all now these how things. do you, you guys hope someone? Now, how you kind of? Well, say, we already have a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of, um, you know, this is something we've sent out to, uh, yeah, many production companies right. and producers and managers. And, right. Good. And um, good. Yeah. So, but that's sort of one of the. Anybody can do. That's a whole thing with the media now. Anybody can do their own thing, right? The, right. You don't have to be an accredited journalist to cover sports. You don't have to have a, a, a over-the-air radio show. You can have a podcast. And market that. But the only thing is, everybody has a podcast. Yeah. So you better you better have guests like Bill Pitto on. Pito, yeah. You got to get the name right or else. <laughs> Come on. It, it, Come on. Give me a break. I've said Pito, Pitto. It's Pito. P- Here's what someone who introduced me used to do when I was in, in Ithaca starting out. P-E-A-D-O-U-G-H. Pito. That made it so much harder. Pito. Pito. We got P-Dog. Bill Pitog with us. Pito. Pitoish. No, no, Doe. No, no. The G is silent. The Doe is... <laughs> The G in Doe is silent. D O U G H. P Doe. Bill Petto from Pig Pinton. You better not send this podcast out, pal. That'll be the end of you right here. You said Bill Petto, Petto's name wrong. Petto. Bill Petto. Ben Kissel. You nailed it. <laughs> ben Kissel. You must have been at ESPN for 15 years. Introducing Ben Kissel. 6'7. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. I think you were going to say power bottom. That would have been very upsetting. <laughs> a wide body. Oh, my. From Minnesota? Where are you from? Wisconsin. Where do you go to school? Minnesota. Though? I went to uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Okay. Which is not Madison. Not Madison. What do you think of Madison? Madison's what? a fine town. It's a drinking town. Tenth grader. Should I should she go there? She'd you have really, a tenth grader? Yeah. Uh, well, if you, <laughs> it's tough because she's going to put on some weight, um, and she's going to drink a lot more beer than she ever thought she could. Really? Yeah. There was a moment. Wisconsin, huh? Wisconsin is all. Wisconsin, right? It's freezing cold, and it's beer and it's cheese. Everyone's very nice. Madison's a great university. People love going to school there, though. It's always in the top ten party schools. uh, You know, Playboy's top ten party schools. Right. People can't get enough of it. I'll I'll never forget. There was a a sixteen-story, maybe twenty-story dorm room, a bong on top of it. All of us were on the bottom of it, and everyone was just, you know, probably slammed like eight beers in a matter of thirty seconds. Um, so don't send your daughter there. <laughs> Just don't do it. Tell her to go somewhere. Tell her to go to uh, Cornell. I don't know if that's in the cards. All right. Well, I'm not going to get into it. <gasps> Academically. That's, I mean, I, I don't know how you deal with it. I that. don't know how I got in. I wouldn't get in now. 
No, no yeah. Sir. No, sir. It's very difficult. Yeah. Who's your favorite uh, sports announcer uh, from, like, the movies? You know, you always I always think of Major League. I love the voice of NFL films. John Facenda. They are many teams in the National Football League, and then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know that, that voice? That yeah, God, yeah. That's, that's the man right there. Yeah, that's not the my voice. favorite sportscaster, but in terms of announcer, right? He all, on all those NFL films tapes, those old games. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, NFL films, and they yeah. just lost um, the man who created them. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Sable, Steve Sable. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. great. Yeah, but that boy, they all slowly and inexorably, the Raiders move to pay debt. Yeah, the R was never <laughs> pronounced. Pay debt. Hmm. Not paidered. Pay debt. Inexorably. I mean, no one said that he was saying it wrong, but he's obviously <laughs> saying it wrong. The T is hard. I'm getting criticized over here. You got to take the heat, man. You in the host chair. I know. I got the. I got the heat. I can. I, I love the. I love hot weather. <laughs> Overall heat things. Nice summer. Being a good. Any summer. big mistakes? Yeah, I've had, had major. Here's a couple things for you. I was in Binghamton. <laughs> I'm getting and, sick of it. I'm not going to okay. lie. Uh, I'm just kidding. And our policy, we were a CBS affiliate. If Dan rather had a bulletin or a story he had to get on at whatever time, they would just take it. Right. Because we have the network feed. So I'm in the middle of my sports cast, and boom, up comes Dan Rather. Dan Rather comes on the air, you know, CBS News reporting we have a hostage situation, TWA, whatever it was. Serious story. Yeah. Dan Rather finishes up. They come back to us, me, and the news anchor. And I said, before I was so rudely interrupted by Dan Rather. Ooh. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, hell, at least he didn't tell him that Bill Parcells fishing story. Right. So you could hear the answering machine out in the main office. Mm. Boop. That sportscaster should be fired. Boop. That sportscaster's a jackass. Boop. Whoever hired that sportscaster needs to fire him right now. Boop. In the days of the answering machine. So this is before... An over right after you could hear it. This when he went upstairs after the cat, the sport, the newscast. You could hear all this coming into the station answer machine, and I'm like, I'm out of here. This is from the viewers. Yeah, this is an era bef- in, in the era before Twitter, 1988, whatever it is, 87. I thought I was gone. Yeah, right. Well, what? Gone. What did you get called into an office? Yeah, and they, yeah whatever. And I, I, it was so. See that that's why it's good to be in these smaller markets to start because you can get right. away with that. Now, bye. Bigger city, bye. Right, even though you were just being tongue-in-cheek. Well, I, I, I don't know what I, my intent was. It was not received tongue-in-cheek. Right. Do you feel it, uh, as you're saying it, do you feel like, oh, and, I'm about uh, to get another into trouble? Really, but yeah, I, I was worried about that. Another one, uh, Michelle Wee, the golfer, right. made the cut, but I inserted an N between the U and the T. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> That's an issue. Huh. They don't like that one. No, huh? that didn't work. Uh, what other? Uh, I have I mean, ha- do you do these things just to have a little bit of fun? No, Ben. These are these are these are accidental. These are things you don't want to be saying. Right. There was the one time uh, when I called the Denver Nuggets the Niggets. Right. That didn't get over well. The Knicks and the Niggets. Is the, and this is all accidental. Things happen. Right, my that'll happen. I'm a man with a big Midwestern tongue. I mean, right. I understand it's difficult Fain, to pronounce certain words. Things happen, right? So, Although I will say, Binghamton, Binghamton <laughs> is more difficult to pronounce than Nuggets. Right, Binghamton, 
Ah, I did, I, did I say it wrong again? <laughs> Things happen. Right. So those are those are all. I I didn't get fired for any of them. I could have been in trouble for all of them. Right. Lucky in some ways. What was one of the most rewarding things uh, that you've had a chance to do? I was on the air doing Sports Center the night that Michael Jordan retired from the Bulls. Wow. I was also in the studio. Did it get emotional then? No. I was in the studio Memorial uh, Labor Day 98. McGuire and Sosa with the home run. Yeah. Grace. And we were like all over the place on the last day of the regular season, going from place to place to place. And I was in there going, helping direct viewers from place to place to place. That was a big thrill too. Yeah, big events. Big yeah. events to be part of history. Yeah. Let me ask you, as far as that era, same era goes, as like Michael Jordan, as far as sports, is it something, subject that we talked about on another one of our shows last podcast on the left uh, at length, O.J. Simpson. What was that like being at, at Sports Center when O.J. Simpson was such a huge cultural force? When this guy was, you know, of course, admit, like he was a, a football player, first of all. Like, what was the kind of air around uh, ESPN? Like, how, how did you cover O.J.? You know what was really hard about that? Like, we're not lawyers. Right. You have to have an ability to parse through the legalese to think about writing it. Think about that. If you're assigned to O.J., it would be O.J. trial today. And maybe that would be That's when you a, come into the rundown. If you were with me, Ben, you'd be assigned stories, and me, Bill, would be assigned stories. And right. you look in the rundown, it says Ben or Bill. And you used to dread to see OJ trial next to Bill. Did you ever have to report on it? Yes. Okay. Now, how how the heck am I gonna? I I don't know how to how to get through. This. What angle did you take? But not not the angle so much as just being able to handle the legal ease of it. Right. That was a real big challenge for it because we're. we're not lawyers. You're a sports network. Right. Did you feel conflicted? Did you feel like, I mean, because ESPN, they, anytime there is a sports-related story, and oftentimes... You now, this know, is like 94 Aaron, now. This is right. before the explosion of everything. This is a right. long time ago, but still. But it does cross over. Aaron Hernandez with the Patriots. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's CNN and right. that's ESPN. And, and, you know, and, Roger Kosick, who made his name with CNN for the OJ trials, now a CNN legal analyst. Mm -hmm. They have a guy named Lester Munston as a legal analyst. Because this is, you're right, this has become such a big deal. Right, Aaron Hernandez is a great example. So, did you feel? Did you feel as if you were now? Did ESPN take this as a challenge to play with the big boys in news media? We're not just sports anymore. Where we can also cover well, something as important as the O.J. Simpson trial. ESPN built its chops on its journalism. A lot of what we've been talking about so far is the entertainment aspect, but right. a whole nother aspect of ESPN was its journalistic chops, reporting stories, covering stories. So, this is a big part of it. How are you going to do O.J.? It's a big challenge if you're a sports anchor with no legal background, and you had to get through that story for the day. Did you feel conflicted about ESPN even touching the subject? No, because that's a that was a huge story. That's that's a sports story. Yeah, ESPN gets elevated when it covers sports stories that are transcendent. Right. OJ Simpson. That was more than that. Was a societal. That was the biggest story going on in the country. Oh, it was trial. huge. Right. Steroids. That's a big deal, trying to cover that when you're out there, trying to get through some of the verbiage and the legalese. Yeah. Certain challenges with that. And those aren't, I, I would assume, those are, were those your least favorite things yes. to work on? Not fun. Not you at can't all. have any fun with that. Right. You, you can't. You can't. You cannot. You're not trying to be a personality. You're just trying to get through it and not screw it up. Right, right. With the OJ trial, uh, did you feel as if at any point you slipped up or you were just like I've said... The wrong things. Well, I'll put or it this way: if the teleprompter went down on those, good night. 
Right. Because you can't you can't wing that. You know, a lot of this, if it's the Indians against the Royals and the teleprompter goes down, you can... It's baseball, ad, you can... Yeah. Ad-lib your way around that. But when you're looking into that camera reading about legalese and the defense and the, the testimony and the, the, the gloves and the DNA evidence, and I mean, you kind of stuck to that script. Right, right. So... How many times did the teleprompter go out, uh, go out on you? I mean, you just, thankfully, not a lot. But one of the most stressful jobs at ESPN or anywhere else is the teleprompter operation. Yeah. Prompter! Prompter! You know, because when the prompter goes down, guys can go down. Right. And one guy who had a little bit of a shaky mental constitution, and this is not a joke, was screamed at to the point that he ended up having to get checked out. He just left the studio and got to get checked out. He went to the hospital. Because he So he went to the mental ward because the ESPN anchors broke him. Right. Seriously, that's a big... Again, it's a young kid coming right out of college who... Operates a prompt. That's a that doesn't seem like that big a deal, but that's a big deal. There was a book that came out about uh, early days of ESPN, and it made it seem like it was uh, you guys were living like Led Zeppelin and uh, and some old rock and roll people in the '60s and '70s. Did you find them to be? Was, was there a lot of drugs around? Was that was it before a, my time. That was all before yeah. your time. Well, I got there in '93. It was not like that. So it was a little bit more corporate, a little Absolutely. bit more structured, and it's gotten more and more and more so. But back yeah. then, there was much more structured. Yeah, yeah. How do you like working at MSG? Can Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love being around the teams, which you're not at when you're a studio guy in, in, in Bristol like I was. You're not around the teams. You're kind of out there on an island. Around the teams, get a little passion about the result. Yeah. Root, root like crazy for the Rangers and the Knicks. Yeah. And it's totally unscripted. Like, uh, you sit down, it's like the game's over. Okay, figure it out. And they're in your ear. Okay, throw to this. Throw to the coach. All right, we got Mello. Throw to Mello. Free form, ad lib, try to tell the story of the game. I love it. It's a big challenge. What would be the dream job after? Uh, I'd love, love to, st- to call some games. I've never been in our business. Studio anchoring and calling games is two different tracks. Okay, I'd love to call games. So you, that's the guy you would hang out with, Jeff Van Gundy, right? If you're Bill Pito and Jeff Van Gundy live from Madison Square Garden as we get you ready for the Knicks and the Celtics tonight on ABC. That'd be great. That'd be beautiful. I'd love that. Yeah, I can hear the music right behind your voice doing everything. I've just never done that. Right. And now there are guys who have experience who probably are more viable candidates for some of these jobs when I have no experience doing that, even though I've been at being a studio anchor for a long, long time. Right. So it doesn't necessarily translate. No. Guys call games. Guys are in the studio. Not a lot of guys do both. Right. Right. What's some advice you would give to uh, anyone who wants to get into... uh, into the sports anchoring game or just radio in general? Because, I mean, you've really, you, you've made it uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and it's, well, it's not I, an easy thing to do. No, I've been very lucky. I, I was very persistent. I would say you need to start out just getting your reps. Yeah. Wherever it may be. <laughs> Whether it's in Ithaca, Binghamton, you have to get to the point where when you get your chance that you're ready to go. And, and you have to. Right. It's practice. You guys do your stand-up gigs. You go mm-hmm. practice and practice and practice. is no different. What is the the, Ma- the Malcolm uh, Gladwell uh, ten thousand whatever his number is for perfection or or mastery is is ten thousand reps doing something whatever mm-hmm. it is. You just need to anybody out there who's young and in college get on the radio station, host a host a radio show, do a sportscast, and repeat and do it and do it and do it. And so what that, was what was what's some advice to give when you when you don't get it? You know when Carl gets the job. You well, have three, I mean, what do you, you just? You, I don't. I think I'm still. I still still things happen where I still try to 
add because I have my summers free. I like to do other work. Right. I don't still don't get hired all the time. It's like being an actor. It bothers you. Still, it still gets to you. Not not necessarily that back in the in the '90s there when I didn't get the job out of the gate there, but there are things that I go for now periodically that I don't get all the time. It, it irritates. I, my advice would be you just got to press on, right? What do you guys right. do? It just you guys got to press on. Yeah, that's it. It's it's uh, but it's it, very hard, right? right. Because it it's very hard not to take it. You know, if they want a guy who's six one, you're not getting the job. Right. Too tall. Right. And that's why you weren't able to play a basketball right. hoop. You right. know? I was originally like, cast like as was, the announcer. I was but. in that skit, and I, we all think we're really good, whether right. we are or not. And everybody always tells you, good job. Which we, A buddy of mine has a great description of the, at least the TV business or the media business. We are in the mutual admiration society. So no matter what happens, great show. Right. Good job. And 90% or half the time, it's garbage. Right, and I'm sure that's how your sets are out there. Sure. good job, Ben. You were great tonight. Well, they know that the the next set that they have that doesn't go well, I'll say great right. job also. Right. right, so you never know. You own my my. What I've learned after all these years is that you're only as good as if they use you, right? right. If they use you, they like you. Doesn't matter what they great job. If they call you back and use you, that's good. That's it. You get rebooked, they like you. Right, right? that's it. And where are you at now, Bill? You're doing a radio for Sirius, right? No, I'm at MSG now. Just MSG? Yeah, I was at Sirius for a while uh, between ESPN and MSG, but now I'm just MSG. I've done some ESPN radio a little bit, filled in here or there. I do a little bit of NHL network uh, work, but it's mainly MSG. We'll get gearing up for another season here, too. When I'm awesome. Up. Yeah. All right, Bill. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a, it was a huge honor. I had a lot of fun, and I, it's been a real treat to meet you and get to know you a little bit. Bill Pito, everybody. Uh, make sure to watch him uh, this season on MSG as the New York Knicks uh, win. They're on the they're on their way to an NBA championship. This mm-hmm. is the year I can yeah. feel it. Yeah, yeah, sure, guys. Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Bill Pitto on Twitter. That's Marcus Parks on Twitter, and I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter. All right, we'll talk to you soon.